It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And uh, right now, I'm actually just finishing up the dishes, or I guess I should say I just finished up the dishes. Uh, We had some friends over for dinner tonight. We had a really nice home-cooked meal, uh, some veggies and chicken and potatoes. And, And I think the really special part about it was the chicken was our chicken. Um, you know, over the last couple months, I've been raising, uh, some chickens that we hatched out. Uh, the intent was to hatch them out for eggs. Um, we ended up hatching a total of six chickens. Four of them turned out to be roosters. And so, uh, the other day I culled, uh, three of the roosters and, uh, one of them ended up on our dinner plate today. Um, and you know, in a certain extent, it's a little sad, you know, when you see the animal go and, you know, you spend all this time taking it from an egg to uh, a living creature to, you know, something that you are then uh, putting down uh, in the name of food. But at the end of the day, that too, that's, that is the cycle. <laughs> and so um, I look at tasks like that, uh, not with fondness, but with, uh, I guess, reverence. And when the end product is a good meal, like the meal that we had that was made from some good, healthy food that we raised ourselves and we know absolutely everything that went into that bird, um, it's, it's actually a very satisfying feeling. And I know I'm really not alone in this premise. Uh, I get a lot of emails and uh, see in the Facebook groups and stuff comments from a lot of you guys who have a very similar feeling when it comes to your food. Uh, A big part of why people get into homesteading in the first place is because they want to know where their food came from and they want to have control over how their food's produced and they frankly don't trust this bigger broken food system that's out there. Uh, I know another person who who very much has this philosophy that I have is uh, my friend uh, Trisha Simmons. Uh, Trisha is over at uh, Willow Creek Homestead. Uh, She and her husband uh, Jonah are out in Idaho. And uh, they have been doing this for a number of years, and they've, they've learned a lot. And I would say that for, for those of you out there who have families and are thinking about trying to make the leap, I think they're just a great example of a, a family that has been able to make that leap. And they've been out living on their patch of land for uh, several years now, raising most of their own food, being able to be very focused on the animals and on producing their food. And it's just, it's, it's just kind of a, an incredible story when you look at it. And so I figured it'd be great to uh, sit down and have a conversation with Trisha and let you guys get to know her just a bit more. southeastern Idaho we're right bordering Utah Um, we grew up in Utah but here we are in Idaho we really love it Um, we live we're on four acres of a 300 acre farm we are the first 
non-family members to buy family land. And so we don't own the 300 acres or we're not family of the 300 acres owners, if that makes sense. But we um, live on four acres and there's nobody around us. I mean, our closest neighbors, about half a mile down the road, but it's very open. Um, we have beautiful mountains surrounding us. Right now it's beautiful in the winter, snow-capped mountains. Um, it's a very wild area. Um, we haven't had many predator issues in the last five years, except for this year. We can get, get into that a little bit later, but we have just a really open homestead and um, we really just love it. And, and it's you and your husband and your kids? Yes, um, four kids, a dog, rabbits, chickens, turkeys. <laughs> So, so now when you were you and your husband were, you know, first met and dating and got engaged, were you guys saying, yeah, let's, let's get our own piece of land and let's start raising our own food? Like, was that how you guys went about things or, or no. did it start up some other way? <laughs> Never. No, we've been married for, um, nine, has it been 19 years? Um, we just celebrated this last October and we lived in our previous home on tiny, tiny little lot in a subdivision. And we had a garden and we had chickens eventually. You know, when our kids were older, we wanted to have a little bit of responsibility. So we got some chickens, um, tried a couple ducks. That didn't really work out at the time. But so we did a little bit of this. We didn't really dream of more land until we bought a horse. Um, we realized Jonah had quite the passion for horses, so did Emma. So we put her in horse riding lessons. We bought a horse and we quickly realized that our tiny little property when you fill your garage full of alfalfa and you think and your neighbors think you're nuts you're like okay maybe I need to expand and get some more land um, we also um, just didn't want to keep our horse on somebody else's property we wanted to have the animals where we could take care of them and we still have not gotten back into um, having a horse having equine I can't speak right but we haven't been able to get back to that dream yet. We're hoping to get there eventually. Um, but that's where it started, was we wanted more land to do what we wanted to do. And in Utah, prices are just astronomical for land. And so that's what brought us to Idaho. And um, then the animals just came. So to tell, well, tell me about that search a little bit, because I, th I think there's a lot of people out there who are, are sort of struggling with that same thing. They sort of feel like they've outgrown the place they live and they wanna find a new place, but oftentimes just getting started is the hardest part. So like, what was we it We like looked everywhere. We're like, we don't know what to do. We looked in the rural parts of Utah, but where we were at, every rural part was booming. There's really not a lot more where we were at. And so we just, you know, got a real estate agent and just started looking and just feeling it out for what we wanted. Um, we crossed that Idaho border. I mean, we literally are like five miles from Utah. You cross that border and the prices just went down. We're like, okay, we could do this. And so you have the payoff, not the payoff, you have the trade-off. Jonah drives an hour and 20 minutes to work every day. So yes, we're saving money on property, but we're also paying more in gas and car, car stuff. But, you know, it's worth it. it. Everybody thought we were nuts, you know, which is dumb because where we used to live, people would drive an hour into the city and nobody would blink an eye. But you move to the country and then drive an hour, you're crazy. So I think it's just not, not giving up. If you have a dream, find it. Make it work. Don't give up. Um, 
you know, we never thought it would be a reality. And, and here we are. Mm. And, and now how long have you been at, at this current spot? Only five years. It'll five be five years, years next month. And, and after five years, do you feel like you have it like the way you want it? Or are there no. like a list a mile long of all the other things you want to do? Like, do you ever get it the way you want it? I don't know that you do. No, I would love a huge barn. I would like my goat shack is, is really kind of a joke. Jonah wants to burn it to the ground. And, you know, we no longer have goats. So when we bring in more goats, we'll, we'll make it better. But yeah, no, it's not how we want it. We want so many more things. <laughs> Homesteading's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, talk to me about that. Because I, I think a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this would be a great way to make some money. This would be yeah. a great way to save uh, my grocery <laughs> bill. Like, What's your, your experience been there for a family mm-hmm. of four? Or family of six, I should say. Six. Yeah, no, it's not cheaper, um, in my opinion. You homestead because you want to know where your food comes from. Um, you homestead, like having my own eggs in the back backyard is not cheaper than buying crap eggs from this from the store my kids and i i honestly almost cried driving down the highway yesterday um there was a truck full feathers were just flying down the road i'm like what is going on and it was just cages of feathers i'm like are those chickens there were probably five or six chickens shoved into a cage there were probably i don't even know how many cages it was just huge truck full of chickens live chickens driving down the road i'm like that's appalling. The conditions are appalling. So it just makes me a little bit mad. <laughs> so, so no, I, I don't believe that homesteading is cheaper. You don't do it to save money, um, but you do it to save your health. Mm. And now talk to me a little bit about that because I know you, you, you've struggled a little bit on the health side. Like how do you manage those types of things and the homestead? It's, it's hard. The kids, kids help. You know, I couldn't do it without my children. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's four years ago, I think it all, no, maybe just three years ago. It all blurs together, but it's a thyroid disorder. Um, and it makes you feel like you want, you can't move it, it. For me, I just get so tired. I can hardly function. There's so many things that go into it. And you know, I replaced both of my knees shortly after moving here. Um, and then with my thyroid going kaput again, um, my children, I have to rely on them to keep this moving. And you know what? They complain about the work because they're kids, but they'll go to cousins' houses and be like, they just sit around. They're so lazy. And so they appreciate the work. They appreciate what they get from it. Um, my daughter you know, was saying the other day how sad she was that the goats were going to freezer camp. And she said, what's sad is that they're going, but what's not sad is goat chops. You know, and so hearing them appreciate the food, you know, and I'm getting off of, I'm going on a tangent, but um, that helps, help me push them to help. Um, Having my own food, knowing where it comes from, that eliminates the pesticides, that eliminates the garbage that goes into my body that's already sick. Um, You know, so between that, we haven't quite conquered our garden. We're working on it. Um, but it's just nice to just know what you're feeding your animals and what you're cooking is, you know, you know how it lived. I think there's a lot of goodness that comes out of that. Mm. And and now, as far as those animals go, like, what's your experience been like just actually raising the animals themselves? You know, I, you talk a little bit about the food part, but like, what about just the process of, of caring for other living beings on an ongoing basis? 
So in my previous property, my neighbors would always joke about me eating my chickens. And I swore, I says, I will never eat anything that makes me smile. I won't do it, I won't. Okay, well then I got pigs. They are fun. <laughs> they made me smile on a daily basis. I cried when they went to freezer camp. I mean, I did, legit cried. It was, it was really, it was sad. But I smiled when I ate the bacon. So, you know, each animal you grow an attachment to. I mean, even the ugly turkeys, even the, the goats that sometimes you hate, um, the rabbits. How, how do you eat a cute rabbit? Well, with a fork. I mean, it, it is hard because you do love them. You get so attached, but you also appreciate their life and honor their life by, you know, dispatching humanely and um, not wasting their life by letting the kids throw the meat away. And, and what's that like for your kids? I mean, where they really do know where their food comes from. Like, is it a struggle or are there a lot of tears? Or I mean, you mentioned your daughter a little earlier about being sad about the goats, but like, is that like a regular thing or is it, you know, by growing up this way, they've just sort of have this appreciation? You know, um, I would say the rabbits were hard for everybody at first. And it's been a couple of years now and everybody's pretty good. So I wouldn't say there was much of an issue. Um, we were worried about eating the first pig. We're like, can we actually do that? I mean, we were nervous, but everybody didn't have a problem. Once you see it come in a package, you're like, okay, it's, it's meat. I get that. Um, rabbit has been the only one that, that people have had an issue with. That's not shocking. Cause you know, it, it's funny. My wife and I, as we talk about what animals we keep here on our farm, um, rabbits are the one thing I think it's they're pretty much the only thing that she was like, nope, you can't have them because <laughs> I will fall in love with them, and yeah. I know you have, we're raising them for food, and I just couldn't handle it. And so, so like that's just one of those ones on their list. But like, what are the advantages of raising rabbits if it's so painfully hard to part with them when it comes time for going to the freezer? Yeah. So I was with your wife. I I was like, no way would I ever eat a rabbit. They're cute. They're rabbits. And they just kind of fell into our laps. We went to a family party and my sister shows up with a live trap with three rabbits in it. And she's like, hey, do you want these? I'm all, um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so we brought these rabbits home and I told my son, my Sam, I said, we can have these, we can raise these, but we will eat them. We will eat, eat the offspring. And that was the, that was the, from day one, I'm like, if you can't handle to process, and I, obviously we don't make him process them, but I says, if you can't handle to eat these rabbits, then we are getting rid of them right now. And that was a bit of a struggle in the beginning. He's like, no, we can't process. I'm like, no, that was the agreement. If we cannot process, we will not keep them. And, um, so you ask why, why rabbits? Um, they grow very quickly, um, from, about 16 weeks is when you process. And so from zero to 16 weeks, you have food on your table. A rabbit can have eight to 12 rabbits in a litter. Um, it is the most sustainable meat to grow um, as far as food in and food to the table. Am I making sense? Um, yeah. It, it is the most- In terms of like the feed ratio. Yes. And, yes. and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it is um, the easiest, the cheapest meat that you can grow because they do grow so fast. And if you live in a green lush area, you can forage a lot of their food. And so it is it's really, really a sustainable meat. And nothing here goes to waste. So we, we process the meat. We um, 
put any of the remains in the compost, so that goes back into the earth. You can um, use their furs. You can roast them for bone broth. You can sell their lucky rabbit feet. I mean, there's so many things in a rabbit that you can utilize, and it's not just, okay, we had a meal and throw it away. You know, rabbit bone broth is the best I've ever tasted. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've gone to farmer's markets and bought rabbits before, and it's just like the meat is great. It's, it's yeah, it's it's very easy to cook. It's I can see all those advantages. I feel like I've got to, like... <laughs> figure out a way to like make them not so cute for my wife and they'd be ready to go i know i know it's farm tough you got to get farm tough you know if you, you know that you love your breeders you love your you know and you just love on them and you just know you know it's almost like processing day i have to get mad i get kind of angry i'm like it's time to process you know and and you just have to almost detach from, but they're so cute. Well, so are pigs, actually. Pigs are very cute. Ducks are very cute. You just have to change your mentality that, you know, this is why we gave this this rabbit a life, is to sustain and help our family, and that's what it's here for. You know, you can have a cute rabbit that's your pet, and it can be your pet. But, you know, these we have earmarked as these are our food. No, that, that, that makes total sense. Uh, it's, it's just, it is one of the harder parts of raising your own food on, on a farm. <laughs> well, and, and I guess sort of in the same vein, I think the, one of the other harder parts, and I've had to deal with this in the past year, and I know you have too, is uh, predators on, on the homestead. What's that been like for you? So we have had on and off, we, we okay, so start over here. We have had a husky. Um, for, he was 10 when he passed away. And since living here, we've had almost no issues. The only predator issue we had dealt with before he died was a ra random dog that got into our chicken coop the first year we lived here. And other than that, we've had zero issues. Um, this last year, we've had a few creeping up. I think we had a fox there for a little bit of time. And then um, we have confirmed we have an owl, um, two owls that are hunting our colony. And our rabbit colony is open. There is no lid on it. And we have not had an issue in three years of having this colony. And all of a sudden, we have owls. And I don't know if it's because our husky's not here that the scent is gone. I don't know if it's that we have more rabbits now than we've ever had, and so it's kind of drawn in. Um, but we have had, I don't, I've lost track of how many we've lost. And all of them have been grow outs, and it's been somewhat fine. I mean, it's hard to, to pay that nature tax. I think the hardest thing for me is they just eat the heads and they waste the whole rabbit. I'm like, if, if you're gonna eat it, please just eat it, you know? And so the waste is what's hard on me. Um, we haven't announced this on YouTube yet, but we lost our favorite and most special rabbit, oh, three or four days ago. Her name was Belle, and she was the first rabbit born on the homestead in her litter, and she was the most beautiful, and we kept her as a breeder. And we lost her a couple of days ago. It was, it was the most heartbreaking thing I have done, I believe, to date. I was driving down the road, picking up my daughter from work. She just feeds calves at the neighboring dairy and I was pulling into the driveway and I was like well that's weird Sarah and Sam were out front um, and I thought that was odd because they were doing their chores out back and I noticed he was cradling, cradling something in his arms and I thought 
we must have lost one of our breeders because that would have been the only reason he would be in the driveway. And he was just crying, holding his headless rabbit. It was the most sad experience I've ever had. You know, when, when your kids sort of experience that life and death on the farm, what sort of lessons do you feel like that imparts to them? Farm tough. There is something to be said about farm tough. Um, if you shelter your children from every problem, they never grow. They never get that tough skin. People aren't nice. People are jerks out there. And you have to know who you are and you have to be strong. And if you are never allowed to feel hurt, to feel pain, then what are you? You're not strong. Um, and I think there are, are people out there, there are tribes out there that we find and that we gravitate to, but then there's people that aren't our tribes and they can be mean. And I think if you grow up with a strong sense of who you are and if you've had a loss and you've, you've had to you know, rally around your family and find that love and find that peace, um, that grows your character. And I think that's really important. It's funny that you should mention that your predator problem really sprung up uh, after your dog passed away because for us, our predator problems have like completely like halted as soon as we got our, our dog here on the farm. And it's just amazing that that dog presence does for our place. Well, we have a little Springer Spaniel and she's out there running around, but I guess she's not a predator. <laughs> oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it is really interesting because our husky, he was actually part wolf. He was a wolf and a husky. And um, Sophie, our springer, she was a drop-off dog. And she showed up about eight months before he died. Um, he just, I don't know, it was random. He just passed away. It was really sad. But, um, yeah, she's here and has been here the whole time. But And she's outside just as much as he was. I don't know what the difference is. Hmm. Interesting. So we lost a turkey in the middle of the day, just out in the middle of the run without its head. And we're like, really? I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had a situation a couple months ago where um, I was out like towards the front of the house working. Ducks were out in the pasture and I heard a lot of commotion went out back to see and did a quick head count and one of them was missing. And uh, I th I'm pretty sure it was either a coyote or bobcat, but I'm going to guess bobcat just completely yanked it away and Ugh. never saw it again. And just gone. That yeah. nature tax can be brutal. Yeah. I, but it is sort of also part of the equation, right? That, you know, predators actually play an important role and they need to eat too. And so it's, it's just how do you strike the right balance? You know, I one a loss here and there is fine. You know, and I think I don't know. For me, it stings less if I have, if my rabbits, if my turkeys, if my chickens are, if I'm not buying new ones. Like if I'm hatching my own turkeys, the loss stings a lot less than if I paid fifteen dollars for that chick, you know, for that poult. And so it still, you know, stinks. But you know, rabbits, yeah, they breed. Every 30 days, we can have a new litter of rabbit. But it's when they take the mamas, when they take, you know, that it, it stings just a little bit mm. more. Um, as, as you're looking at your your farm right now, and we're, we're in the winter, and so it's the quiet months, kind of things slow down just a little bit. What are you, what are you looking forward to as you look towards 2020 and kind of potential opportunities? Filling it back up, you know? <laughs> so right now it feels so empty, you know, our rabbitry is kind of slowing down. 
Um, our goats are gone, which is so sad. Um, our ducks that we acquired, we actually found out where they came from. So they, they went back. And so, you know, we're down ducks. I traded some turkeys, so I'm down like three turkeys. I'm going to be trading two more. And so I just feel like everything's like leaving. And it's like, no, I need to fill it back up. I have empty shelters and I just am ready to just, you know, fill up again. And so I've got two goats coming um, from a good friend, you know, sometime next year. Um, you know, I'd like to get ducks, but I don't want to keep them in with the chickens because they're gross. <laughs> well, no, that's, I mean, look, as, as a hardcore duck person, I will say you are so much better off having your chickens be with your chickens and your ducks be with your ducks because ducks will make a crazy mess within a chicken area, but they're actually pretty manageable if you have a dedicated setup for ducks. It's just, they just need different things. Yeah, exactly. And the water, see, because the ducks make their water amazing. And then the chickens won't lay eggs because they won't be getting water because the ducks have ruined their water. And so, to me, they don't live well together. That's just my opinion. But uh, No, I, I totally agree. So, so what else are you, are you looking forward to as you look out beyond filling the place back up? Are there big projects on your horizon or builds coming soon? Um, we do want to get pigs again. We did pigs. We've done pigs two years in a row a few years ago. And so we really would like to do pigs again. Um, you know, possibly start to process some bigger animals. We've done really well with processing our own birds, processing our rabbits, any big processing we've taken to the processor. And so we may think about processing our own pig. You know, uh, we want to do a heritage breed pig that does better on um, pasture. And so we do have a lot of pasture here that we could rotationally graze them on. Um, the, the pigs we've done before, we did rotational grazing, but certain varieties do better and grow better on on um, pasture so you know I, I'd like to do quail um, I have allergies to egg I can't eat chicken eggs every day you know I, I could also eat duck eggs so I mean if we did some more ducks or quail I'd have a little bit more food for me um, other than that I mean we're boring we don't have any huge I mean I'd love a barn but I mean that's gonna be I think down the road some some ways unless I win the lottery that I don't play so, <laughs> <laughs> so other than that we're just just trying to make everything better you know we'd like to get a fireplace we've got a, a, a stove in the house we just don't have a chimney that'd be really nice to have a heat source that we could you know not have to rely on electricity and and propane yeah that's a, that's a Quite an extensive list. <laughs> I know. So much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, if you were to go be able to talk to yourself from five years ago, before you kind of set out and, and started to build up the place where you're at now, what advice would you have for yourself? Um, don't limit myself. Jump in with both feet. Um, don't think, oh, I can't process a rabbit. Jonah, that's Jonah's job. You know, no. You know, don't don't play the girl card, I guess, and be like, I can't do that. I can't get my hands dirty. You know, just, I don't know, just jump in, you know. Don't hold yourself back.
hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I always really like talking to Trisha. You know, she is uh, she's somebody I think I've met through like a Facebook group or something, and just her personality and the energy that she brings to things. It it's just it makes her a very fun person to interact with. And so, uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want to learn more about what Trisha and her husband and uh, their kids are doing on their farm. Uh, be sure to check out the Willow Creek Homestead. I will leave some links to their YouTube channel and Instagram and I think any other social media that they might have down below. And uh, be sure to check them out and tell them you saw them here and say hello for me. Um, and if you want to learn more about what we're doing here at Goldshaw Farm, uh, as always, you can check out our YouTube channel. Um, put out a couple of videos a week uh, you know, all about what's going on with the farm. Like, in fact, uh, the video that I just put out earlier this week had to do with, uh, dispatching those roosters. And so if you want to see kind of a live glimpse into that process, I guess I shouldn't say it's live. It's, it's obviously edited, but if you want to see a glimpse, a visual video based glimpse into, uh, what that was like for me, um, kind of made into like a little short film, so be sure to check that out. Uh, you can find it right at uh, Goldshaw Farm on YouTube. So just look for us and you'll, you'll pop right up. And with that, I will wrap things up. I will not belabor it anymore. Um, be sure to rate us, review us, share us with your friends. Uh, it only helps the community grow. It only helps people uh, kind of hear these great stories. And if you guys know of somebody who has a great story, or if you feel like you are out there listening and you have a great story, I want to hear it. And so uh, drop me a line, either let me know in the Goldshaw Farm podcast Facebook group, uh, just take a look, search for that, and you can join and uh, uh, share in the conversation, and uh, let me know if you, you have any ideas for guests, or feel free to just drop me an email, it's uh, goldshawfarm at gmail.com, I try my best to answer them all, I really do a good job, I think, lately, I've been doing a better job, I think. <laughs> But I will say, keeping on top of that isn't the greatest, uh, but please, uh, if you have a great guest idea, just throw it in the subject line, guest, and uh, I will take a look at it, and uh, we'll try to get people onto an upcoming episode of the Goldshaw Farm Podcast. But until then, I guess that is it, and so I will ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. Thanks. It's got a soul, this hero farm, it falls asleep. Inside my arms, we work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Goldshaw Farms. A city life yet had its charms. But we would dream of the fields under the stars. I fall asleep inside its arms. The love is here at Goldshaw Farms. Love is here at Goldshaw Farm.